to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons. News of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top stories, one after another, are COVID-related, the vaccine push. It's We try, I mean, this thing has been going on for a year and a half, and we have done a really good job of not focusing on COVID every single day. And it is hard. It's harder now that Biden's in office and Trump isn't peppering us with... outrageous stories that are low-hanging fruit for the daily news. But this push on the vaccines is getting overwhelming. And we can actually draw a straight line from the stuff we're hearing in the news, the stuff I'm seeing on the ground, and some of those kind of the conspiracies in plain sight, those videos that Binkley always brings us in Rockman. I know people miss seeing them, but you're getting the insights of it here. I'm not pushing the Rockman thing. I'm just saying we, we've seen this stuff coming. We can tell you it is absolutely part of a plan. And, but that's not, that's not all that's happening. There are also realities that are pushing up through the surface. And so let me tell you about news that I just heard out of L.A., a couple of things, but I'm just going to start with this one piece of news. It says the California state capital. So that's where Newsom is reinstated its mask mandate for all legislators and staff, regardless of vaccination status. After an outbreak of nine new COVID-19 cases reported among employees last week. Now, the way it is in California right now, I live in L.A. area, whatever, is basically that if you are vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. And if you're unvaccinated, you do. Some places require proof of that. Some places don't. So here's the thing. You had to read the whole article to get to this. But four of these nine cases in the Capitol, four were fully vaccinated people. So there were nine cases. Four of them were fully vaccinated. Now, the Senate says they have a fully vaccinated rate of 85% among its employees, and the assembly has an 84% fully vaccinated rate. So that should, in their little bubble, if it really, if it is a bubble, that would be their like herd immunity stuff. And they asked for proof of it. So those are real numbers. But let me just reiterate what I said yesterday. It's absolutely crucial to understand this, that, or at least according to the CDC, You are not considered fully vaccinated until two weeks have passed after your second vaccination. So there's five weeks at least between your first vaccination until you're considered fully vaccinated. Any illness that takes place during those five days is considered an unvaccinated person. Those five weeks is not. So there are five people. So four of the nine were considered fully vaccinated. The other five people may have been partly vaccinated. We don't know, but that's. The reality here that those are your breakthrough cases. The other five people are people who had COVID and now have it again. That's for sure not true. So this is the reality that's butting up against all their their BS crap. They're they're definitely using all of these pieces of information to promote vaccination. But if we had the real information here or even just where it is four out of nine, I mean, that's more that's 45 percent, right? Something like that. It's not cool.
This is the same thing that happened with that baseball game with NC State a week ago that I told you about. Four of their players were vaccinated, which ultimately led... Also, they had unvaccinated players, but ultimately they were kicked out of the College World Series that they were probably going to win because of all these people that tested positive, even the vaccinated players. Yeah, but these people are sick, too. I mean, you know, that's the thing is that this is real illness. And in my in in my viewpoint, it's not it's not necessarily like they're going to call it a breakthrough case as if, well, the vaccine didn't protect you. I, I am saying that everyone I know who got covid symptoms after the vaccine got it from the vaccine. I'm saying the vaccine might be spreading this thing. And for me, I I really still can't get my mind around the infectiousness thing. Germ theory is just a theory. And the infectious myth makes more sense to me than the infectious theory. But they I mean, if you're you could be getting it from the vaccine, that that means it's not even infecting. You're not infecting other people. They're injecting it into your arm and you're getting the illness. I know many people who have been much sicker than I was having had covid without the vaccine from the vaccine. It's a scary thought. And they have these protocols. Yes. Yes. That, that don't work. They don't make any sense. Don't they, make they, sense. The phi logic. The Peachtree Road Race is back. The Peachtree Road Race is or was the greatest 10K in America. I used to run it all the time. It was virtual last year. It's back this year. And it has become the grandest demonstration of the stupidity of these various changing, vague COVID health protocols. Here are the protocols they had for the race. In order to participate in the event, you had to be pre-screened or you had to show a proof of vaccination. So one of those two in order to do the race. And they had the the pre-screening stuff set up there. Then they also limited the field. So instead of there just being on the 4th of July, they had it on two days. They split the field in two. There was 13,000 on the first day, 17 to 18,000 on the second day. And then this is where it gets a little contradictory here. They had a strict enforcement of mask for all in attendance except when running or walking. So to attend... You had to wear the mask before you ran and after you ran. I don't know. Maybe somebody grabs you right when you cross the finish line. They throw a mask on you. But you didn't wear one when you're just walking around casually. You're, you're, you're sweating. Sweat's flying everywhere. You're among 17 to 18,000 people. I've, re- I've run this race and it's usually bigger than that. But there's still not a lot of room with 17, 18,000 people there. You're bumping up against people. People are spitting water out. Sweat's flying everywhere. Fluids are being exchanged at the only point that you're not wearing a mask, the other points in time you're required to wear a mask. This defies all logic and makes no sense. Right. That goes along with everything that we've seen so far. But I have to say, I mean, a lot of people are telling me they're not falling for this propaganda, honestly. And I just read another stat about L.A. that I found. I really, I mean, actually not surprising. Like I figured rich, well-educated people are not going to vaccinate their kids. And I did just see something they don't want to tell you. And the way that the Atlantic framed it, it said the wealthy L.A. schools have a lower vaccination rate than South Sudan, as if that's supposed to mean anything. (laughs) South Sudan, I didn't look it up because I did look up Burundi and everybody knows it's really low there, right? And Haiti. Yeah, the vaccination (laughs) rates are very low, but so are the death rates and the illness rates. So I don't know about South Sudan. It must have taken them forever to find the right country to compare it to with. But um, two, 
But uh, 70%, it says, of kids at these, quote, wealthy schools, I'd like to see that defined, are, are their parents, it's, this is how they're saying, their parents are refusing to vaccinate 70% of the kids in these wealthy private schools. I don't know. I mean, I believe it. I, the propaganda, though, makes it look that it's really, really stupid and uh, selfish and elitist. Well, if they're in the know and they know they're testing it on everybody else, then of course they're going to withhold all of that. And yes. Jen Psaki had, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that um, they're one of the things that they're doing is they're going to put up pop up vaccination sites on at the schools. Now, these are schools where these are high schools. These are schools where the kids need parental permission, right, because you have to be 18 to get it without parental permission. So this is stuff that's straight out of the World Economic Forum, not to mention the World Health Organization at one point put out a recommendation that schools should consider attendance as being implied consent for vaccination so that the parents are considered to have consented having sent their kids to school at all. So there is. So this all reminds me of what I'm calling Operation Strike Force, which was the Rockfin video of how they were plotting to identify unvaccinated areas and send in strike forces, approach local uh, governments, local uh, doctors and have these easy vaccination facilities. Yeah. And Jen Psaki, who also called it Operation Strike Force. And Biden, oh, did she call it Operation Strike well, Force? She called it Strike Force. She said right, these strike right, forces. Right. She said yes. Operation Strike yeah, Force. Yeah, yeah, right. But we know part of that plan that Biden rolled out and Jen Psaki commented on the other day was targeting 12 to 18 year olds. And the emphasis was to hurry up and get them the vaccination now, the first one now, so that they, they can have the second one before school starts. So there's going to be a lot of pressure. There's going to be propaganda and all the social media forums that kids are using. And I expect to see that boil over. But Jen Psaki said something crazy just a little while ago during the White House press conference today. Somebody asked her about these door-to-door strike teams, which is what she referred to them as yesterday, and the people from the CSIS and the Rockfin video referred to them as coming to the people's communities. And she was just you know, not happy with a question. She said, you know, it's frustrating to the Biden administration when people are criticizing these door to door tactics. And it's also a disservice to this country to to even criticize that the government is going to send people to your door if you're unvaccinated to try and get you to get vaccinated. That's a disservice to your country and frustrating to the administration. This is it sounds more and more Nazi every day. It's the eugenicists. It's the people who would experiment on the population, the people who demand compliance. And these are these are well thought out techniques of manipulation. You know, it's it's tantamount to coercion, in my opinion, because you we've seen in in the those information operations guys saying that we now have a little like idea penetration machine in the hands of every teen and every child that they we can put ideas in their heads faster than their parents can can stop us. Yeah. And three year olds is what he was talking about too. Oh, three year olds. heads. Wow. Well, <clears throat> I was reading uh, a uh, shout out to our listener, Ellen, for sending me this Three. It was the World Economic Forum had put out a 
paper called Three Tactics to Overcome COVID-19 Vaccine Hesitancy. And these are the three tactics. It says public health officials could use advertising theory to achieve herd immunity to COVID-19, marketing experts believe. So first of all, L.A., the capital did not achieve herd immunity. And we see that they are using advertising tactics. It's funny that you pointed out that they were going to advertise inside your dreams. I want to hear the follow up on that story in the last big story of the Free 30. The, it, the second thing was efforts to encourage vaccinations to date have focused on, focused on distribution, but addressing how people think and feel about getting the vaccine could convince skeptics to vaccinate. Now, uh, I was looking at I can't remember if it was a Wall Street Journal article or some other article that that pointed out that the challenge now is switching from the supply issue to the demand issue from you'll see this a lot from product centric to patient centric. So they've been focusing on getting the vaccinations basically subsidized and produced. That's big pharma. Now they're focusing on generating demand for it. If this isn't the corpo governmental continuum boiled down to just greed on the one hand to get the businesses to do it and control on the other hand, which is the kind of bigger picture World Economic Forum goal. The the last thing they said was community leaders and local health workers. This is exactly what we're seeing coming out now play a key role in taking vaccine related fear and misinformation uh, off the table while incentives from state cities and employers get help get skeptics through the door of local vaccination centers. So those are the things like community leaders, health workers, employers, states, cities are all going to do it. Uh, They're going to focus on the patient, not the product anymore. They're moving from that and they're going to use marketing and advertising techniques. Then this is the kicker. They show a uh, like a flow sheet, a flow diagram of using the hierarchy of effects framework to uh, to of the think, feel, do nature of how to get through to people. So first you get people to think about it. Then you can manipulate their feelings so that you can get them to take action. And I felt like there's a big chart of that, which is we can put it in the show notes, which will be on the prop report.com. Uh, but what one the biggest highlight for me in that chart was in that table was they will create FOMO both socially and economically for people who are resistant to getting the vaccine. FOMO, fear of missing out socially and economically. And I will tell you, I am seeing that on the ground here. Both of those things, depending like kids are going for the social FOMO, but workers have the economic FOMO. I mean, they are really hitting it every one of these points. I mean, these guys, anybody who thinks there isn't a conspiracy, there isn't a manipulation, just read the stuff. These are blueprints. These are plans. These are instruction manuals. Yeah, they're not coming up with all these vaccine incentives on their own. I was doing research on that, and there's just all these lists of potential incentives to use that they were giving to them from the CDC, from other organizations. I'm half expecting Biden to offer up a night with Jen Psaki if you get the shot. <laughs> Yikes. Don't, know if, that's what, don't yeah. know if that'll work very well, though. That, that will only work with CNN watchers. The, fo- the Fox people need the babes. And one of these techniques of propaganda that the Los Angeles Times really laid on thick yesterday, and this was in an article that I saw absolutely 
everywhere. The Times published this article that was all about erectile dysfunction and stoking fear that COVID-19 is going to cause you to have lasting erectile dysfunction. And the entire piece was relying on a couple of, quote, authoritative sources, one, a doctor from the Cleveland Clinic, where they use him a little bit. But the majority of the article was pointing to publications and quotes from a doctor named Dr. Emmanuel Janini, who is a professor of medical sexology at the University of Romtor in Vergata. <laughs> what are these cities, countries? This is a new university. It's in Rome. And... It's, well, it's been around about 30 years, and it's clearly a liberal university that is very politically active, and this guy has a history. This doctor, I looked him up, he's got a history of going around and just giving these quotes that clearly push this agenda based on pure speculation and absolutely not an ounce of evidence. For example, months ago, he was credited with coming up with this phrase, mask up. To keep it up, because if you do mask up, it will have the added benefit of preventing sexual dysfunction. So this guy's focus is going around saying your penis isn't going to work if you don't wear a mask, if you don't get the vaccine. And this article lists five ways that COVID-19 could possibly maybe cause you to have erectile dysfunction. One of them, they related it to the heart condition that people are having. The kids are having myocarditis. What's it called? Myocarditis. myocarditis. Yes, myocarditis, which I was like, maybe that's part of why myocarditis is in the news so they can then relate it back to erectile dysfunction and give it erectile dysfunction a little bit more credibility. But the other causes he said were, well, COVID-19 could possibly damage the cells that produce testosterone in the testicles. And then he said, lacking a sense of smell may affect arousal because of the inability to pick up scents. This is, this <laughs> is his medical expert. Yes. That's fantastic. And then he says, the effects of the pandemic, like losing your job and the impact of the stay-home orders can affect people's moods and contribute to erectile oh dysfunction because people won't be in the mood. This that, is the medical advice. That's torturous. And the kicker in the article is it ends with this guy saying he's another quotable line. He says the plausible relationship between COVID-19 and erectile dysfunction is one more reason for the unvaccinated to get their shots. Having vaccinations leads to having more sex. I would suggest for young people to get their vaccinations. If they want to have sex, better get that vaccine. And the article in it. One one little line says, oh, yeah, by the way, none of this stuff he is saying is proven. I would say it's the exact opposite of what he's saying. I, I do. I think this is what I'm coming down to, that getting covid without the vaccine. I do think it's artificial in some way. I really have no idea what it is, but getting it and all it and the vaccine both give you the same thing. So the point has always been to me to make sure everybody's got whatever this thing is that is now in me. Like now I'm worried about it. Like I didn't get the vaccine, but I had covid. So I was like, oh, good. At least I don't have to get the vaccine. And I'm like, wait, I, I, I have whatever it is that they are giving you in those vaccines. But it is my opinion. And I expected this from the very beginning. I speculated that from the very beginning because of who Bill Gates has always been that the vaccine at least now I believe the disease itself and they're saying that he is actually saying the disease itself is for diminishing 
productivity, uh, like reproductive ability. So the spike protein apparently accumulate the most in ovaries. And he's saying himself that COVID is bad for, and we've heard this before for the men. So if it's true that the COVID itself and the vaccine both kind of have the same features, telling somebody to avoid COVID by getting the vaccine, they are literally just giving themselves this thing, which is why you get it after the vaccine, which is why I'm so annoyed that they keep that five week window open where they act like you're not vaccinated, even though you literally had somebody give you this disease and all the side effects of that. Yeah, and it's going to work, too, because 70% of people only read the headline. If you just read the headline, then you think this might actually be a scientific-based article. And this myocarditis thing is not... There There were 18 stories out of Connecticut of that, but I just read today one out of Singapore, and you are not going to believe the spin they put on this. So it was a 16-year-old boy who, I guess... It must have been involved in sports or whatever. It worked out. And and it's and he it says boy who had cardiac arrest after first Pfizer vaccine had taken supplements. I'm telling you, they are after supplements. They're and I wonder that supplements. Yes. And here's <laughs> the thing, though. They're doing that because they've wanted to attack supplements. Ron Paul used to speak out against that. Like, don't ban raw milk. It's so good for you. Don't ban. So they want to ban and regulate supplements. And I and I'm beginning to think that this whole big pharma thing is is a is the central element of the pathocracy, the government that works against you. It works against your health. So I always thought like supplements are so powerful. I'm amazed that they allow us to have them they're not even identifying for this kid that what his what he was on he may have been on it it says in the article we are analyzing the supplements and his blood or whatever to determine whether it might be contributory to the boy's unfortunate cardiac arrest although as of june 30th in singapore there have been 12 was 12 reports of a myocarditis and pericarditis in um, especially that demographic, mainly young men under 30. But the the health ministry over there it claims that it has been warning people not to engage in strenuous exercise for a week after the vaccine, especially for adolescents and men under 30. That is the first I have ever heard of that. But apparently they have been telling that there was proof in the article of the Singapore, the sign on the wall when when you get vaccinated. But why would they say, have you heard anyone say that? Because if that's true, we need to be warned. And why, why are, why is that? It, why? Because I haven't heard that. Effect? Not yeah. at all. It's kind of like when they tested the vaccine and then they didn't tell people up front, hey, if you have this history of allergic reactions, then you don't need to take it. They just let them have it during the trials. Yeah, I mean, it's this is getting out of hand. And, and I would like to see how the Alabama case proceeds. I'm sure they're going to kick the can the way they're doing for Garland. But in Alabama, those doctors said like there has never been the, the vaccine injuries are just I mean, it's staggering. And there's never been a vaccine that's been permitted on the market with this kind of injury record, not to mention that they're not counting Anything that resembles COVID as an injury in that first five weeks. I mean, that is just they are using vaccine injury 
as an argument for people to be, quote, fully vaccinated. I mean, get your mind around that. Soon it's going to be woman suffers heart attack after taking the vaccine. It was found that she had eaten bad fish shortly after. Blame it on anything else. Anything. But in this case, what I'm what I'm noticing is they're not just blaming it on anything else. They're taking the facts and using it as an argument for the opposite. So they're telling this guy, don't take supplements. Supplements will kill you. But supplements are the things that might actually help you be safe. Because I was looking into what if somebody had to. We met somebody recently who. Uh, or somebody on the Union of the Unwanted who was in a foreign country. And I said, look, I might have to get the vaccine just to get my visa renewed or to get on a plane to get home. Like, I might have to do that. What do I do? So if you're in that position, then I ask the question, what could you do? Could you take something that could help protect you from some of the side effects of it or the effects of it? Like, I don't even want the spike protein. I want it to just kill that off. Is there any way? Maybe there's a supplement. Maybe there's a, an analgesic or something. I don't know, but they maybe want to control that. But it's just funny to me that they take the problem and they use it as an excuse to promote their uh, sinister objectives. It's really it's really nuts. So. Did that just fly by or what are we? That was fast. Yeah, yeah, a lot of great information. And I've been talking as fast as I can, as you can tell. But the covid thing, it's just it, it it. entered a whole new gear now. And I thought the vaccine thing would subside during the summer because people would know others who were vaccine injured, but maybe they knew that and that's why they're doubling down on the propaganda. This time that we're living in will be studied as one of the biggest propaganda psychological operations in the history of mankind. As per the plan, SPARS was the the propaganda arm of this experiment laid out. I mean, it, that is a must read that sparse document from Johns Hopkins. And speaking of propaganda, the last big story in the Free 30, you are going to tell us how news becomes news. And I'm really interested into that insight into propaganda. But before we get to that, let me tell you what we're going to hear about in the patron 15. Is Melinda Gates transitioning? And is your manicurist a microchipper? I'll give you the seventh in my Wall Street Journal series, but it's a boring one. So I'm not even it's about life insurance. Can you imagine? (laughs) I have a couple of good insights into it, but I won't spend a lot of time on it. But before all that, let me share with you a big shout out to a the sponsor of today's show, our friends at government-scam.com slash Monica. And don't forget to use the uh, you can go to government-scam.com. dot com slash Monica and get 10 percent off your purchase. And the biggest bargain there today is a $100 everything bundle. So that includes three friends free, which is a really in true, like these guys sell stuff, government, the biggest scam in history, Larkin Rose's What Anarchy Isn't, as well as The Most Dangerous Superstition. Those books, like Three Friends Free, are so clearly written they so get 
to the heart of the matter. They really pull away the curtain and show you the assumptions that this entire house of cards is built on. And each of those books, I think, approach a different demographic. One is for visual learners. One is for young people. I feel like the What Anarchy Isn't is great for teens or casual readers. The greatest superstition is the most dangerous superstition is a little more in depth, but still very clear, very well laid out. Three Friends Free is literally a children's book, which points out something I had already thought of, which is the people didn't like come down from the canopy because there was a government waiting to keep them safe. People were functioning and the government came in to exploit that. And the way this lays it out in such simple terms, so easy to understand is is an analogy or or a story that would stay with kids for their lives, that they could really just see through the lie of government uh, with this simple um, framework. There's also in the Everything Bundle, Sedition, Subversion and Sabotage by Ben Stone. We'll have to check that out. You also get a flash drive with all the resources in it. It's really this is one of those things where it's solutions oriented and it's very clear and red pills people. That's the main point. Visual learners zero to 60 in uh, in one sitting for sure. So go to government-scam.com slash Monica and please support our sponsors and also support our show. And the only thing I'll say about our show is the Rockfin videos. We give tons and tons of value on Patreon. There's no question about that. Patreon.com slash propaganda report. But these Rockfin videos, which it's a lot of work for Binkley, I know to like sift through it all to cut it. And then we spend a lot of time making the videos, walking through. And every one of these videos so far has been well ahead of a major propaganda campaign. You will be completely prepared for what's coming down in the news in the weeks ahead. You'll be prepared for your teenagers, for your mother-in-law, for anybody who has a uh, tries to parrot propaganda to you. You will be ready. And the Rockman videos are fantastic. And we appreciate the opportunity to be on on that platform yeah you, you can literally subscribe. you yeah. can literally show people what biden said in his speech a couple of days ago being said by global think tankers well before he said it and he's saying almost exactly what they said verbatim word for word i mean that's the thing it's the script it's like the indivisible script he just keeps forgetting to personalize it so <laughs> <laughs> so uh so when you join rockfin you get a whole, I mean, more content than you could ever possibly consume because there are fantastic creators there. My favorite is Sam Tripoli, but there's Jimmy Dore people love, Whitney Webb people love, Burmis is there. There's so, so many people there. And it's just an avalanche of material. And the good thing for us is we deeply subsidize the Rockfin subscription for Patron Saints. So if you are a Rockfin subscriber, you can get a deep discount on our highest Patreon level. So just send me a email, the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com. And I will tell you how to access that discount. It's a little, it's, I can't just put a link in. It's just give me an email. I'll email you right back. So with that on to the last story of the free 30. Okay. I was thinking about this. I think about this a lot and I think it's worth thinking about because when you recognize where a news story originates from and how it got in front of your eyes and ears, it can really tell you a lot about the story. At times, it can make you just laugh at something that everybody's taking really seriously. You know, when you find out that 
whole story is based on a tweet from somebody with three followers that just has an egg for a picture that has somehow launched an entire nationwide talking point. You can just laugh at the ridiculousness of that. And it is worth it to just kind of understand how this works because we are in a nation of activism right now. And everything you see in the news is there because of a coordinated effort by some group of people. Even if it's a real genuine story, it doesn't get in the news unless it serves an agenda and there was an effort by a group to get it there. And I want to use as an example a story that we talked about yesterday, which was about how advertising companies are weaponizing your dreams in order to advertise to you within your dreams to to make profit. And it was a great story, very interesting, very scary kind of as well. But I started thinking about it. Why was that story in the news yesterday? Did Why was it on the top line of Drudge? Why was it on Yahoo News? Why was it everywhere that I was looking for news? That story kept showing up in front of my eyes. Did we just learn that advertising companies were doing this? Was there a leak? Was there somebody exposed it and they were trying to hide it? No, that, that wasn't the case at all. They've actually been doing this for a little while. The example used in the story, which was about Coors beer, was part of a study that was conducted months ago. And the Coors executives have been happily discussing their plan to try and infiltrate your dreams and cause you to buy their products. They're not hiding it at all. So why yesterday? What's up with the timing? How did it get there? I'll tell you why. It became news yesterday because a cognitive neuroscientist from Harvard Medical School and 34 other sleep and dream researchers from prestigious institutions all co-authored an open letter about recent developments in dream incubation technologies and the ethical implications of these developments. And this letter laid out the various ways that big brands are using the technology to study and test ways to weaponize the dreams of consumers. And it appeared, it was published, this open letter, to a community publishing forum called Dream Engineering, where doctors and researchers discuss, disseminate, and dissect dream-related research and technology together. But the thing is, this was the only paper or letter that had ever been published to this forum. There was nothing else there. So how does a letter published to some random forum that is the only thing published there get in the news? Well, here's what happened. The Guardian published a story on the letter. The Hill then reported on the Guardian story of that letter. Then Harvard Medical School tweeted out a tweet from their account about the Hill story to their 350,000 followers. Then a lot of people are seeing it. A science magazine also did a story on the letter. Their story on it was reported on by the MIT Media Lab. Ultimately, it ended up on Drudge, Yahoo News, yada, yada, yada. We all saw it. It got there because the Guardian frequently publishes stories where they quote one of the main authors of this letter. His name is Robert Stickgold. He's the neuroscientist from Harvard. He's frequently quoted as an expert in their articles, and he no doubt has contacts with the Guardian. So there was a coordinated push. And this is I am I'm deducing this from my research on this. I haven't confirmed this. So this is what I'm deducing from it. They no doubt had a PR rollout plan where all of these prestigious doctors who are 
quoted in various news news articles, various publications, prestigious ones, agreed that once they published the letter, they were going to reach out to their media contacts. And they no doubt had some good media contacts. And once they published it, they directed people to this weird forum, which all of the articles cited this weird forum. And they most likely agreed to give interviews about the information they were putting out there because you could see the various doctors quoted in the different interviews. And they no doubt had a coordinated social media push that was scheduled to happen yesterday because you look at the timing of the tweet that went out by Harvard Medical School, you look at the timing of the articles, you look at the other tweets from the MIT lab and everywhere else, all coordinated, all went out around the same time, all designed to blitz, to get exposure, to get eyes on it, and it worked. And I think it's good that they did that. It's good that they called attention to it, but it's interesting to see that these things are pre-planned publicity strategies to get attention to their their story and their cause. So I think it's a good question to ask when we see stories that come in front of our eyes. How did it get here? Who's behind it? Why is it here? It was very weird to me when I was at WSB that so we would see when we would have a break the news people who were reading the news were in the studio next to us reading the news. And then if you walked out, sometimes they were actually doing it from Mike's on their cubicles. I don't know if you ever noticed that. And what they were doing, these were all the people who read the news were also the ones on the computers pulling down their headlines. And I was always just mystified by the fact that they always got, you know, how did they know what five headlines to read? And they would be the same. And and every once in a while, it'd be something I was interested in, but it, not too often. And I, I actually never found the answer to that. However, there was a time when I was stuck for clips and I emailed the executive producer and I said, hey, you know, I need some clips. I really I can't cut them myself. And he sent me a subscription to the clips thing. And it was just like 100 clips from that day. So you could just pull those pre-selected clips for your show. Meanwhile, what we were doing was painstakingly looking through the news, listening to stuff, finding like the money clip and uh, and you were cutting it. And that and for me, that's why we had unique stuff. Whereas then I started to notice, I mean, there was one time when I was listening to Rush and then I was listening to Hannity right after Rush. They were back to back. And I, I actually at that point thought that Hannity was literally listening to Rush and just regurgitating everything Rush said. But I realized, no, they were just getting fed by the same source. Not, I mean, I think Rush probably had more control if he wanted to, but they they are definitely some, I could never understand because I would tell other people, you are interested in this story. And they'd be like, yeah, that story's a little bit crazy. And then a story equally crazy would be fine. It would be fine. And I feel like there was somewhere that was giving the imprimatur to one or another of this. There's also a website called Journalist Resource that gives you the, the prepackaged research to support those themes <laughs> and memes. But yes, there's that. And, I, and it's not just the AP. It's not just Reuters. It's not just the big feeds because they have hundreds of stories. And although one somebody who ran one of those told told me that that is highly curated, like they really decide what's put in those feeds. But when it gets down to five stories at the top of the hour, same on every station, you got to think there's something more refined than that. And and your method for sure. And there are also services that we never even hear of. Well, this method is also 
laid out and taught by indivisible and activist groups to their activists on how to get attention to their activist stunts as well. Well, and meanwhile, while the CFR chick is telling the journalists what to watch out for, those journalists are going to see those activities and focus on them. They're not going to not they they are. It's not I don't know if it's Pavlovian. It's kind of like that dream thing where they set it all up so that you are triggered to respond to that stimulus without realizing that that particular stimulus is is the thing that's triggering you. Very interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. So and and now, I mean, as we unfold the conspiracies, the propaganda plans, the the psychology, psychological approach to all of this, the stuff that I would say was just a conspiracy. People would call me conspiracy theorists. Oh, come on. We these people are conspiring. <laughs> it's very clear. It's conspiracy in plain sight. So I just want to tell people before we wrap, don't forget, I'm very excited for Freedom Fest. That's July 21st. You go to our most recent newsletter at thepropreport.com for a for a promo code for that. And I'm announcing it now. Our next Zoom party for patron saints only. It's it's a very small group, although we're, we've started to cut excerpts of it so that other patrons will get like uh, highlights from it. So there is definitely a community feel to it, but it's a little trickier than it seems. So we don't do it every month. We basically do it every month, every other month. But we're going to have a Zoom party next Saturday, which is July 18th. And it's going to be focused on solutions, not we have focused on solutions before, like how to grow eggs and stuff. But what we are this time, it's going to be activism. So we're going to our next tomorrow. We have Legal Man as our featured Friday interview. The next featured Friday interview is going to be Tho Bishop, who works with the Mises Institute on local issues in Florida, getting politicians to on an issue by issue basis, support the libertarian outcome. And that is an activist solution. We're also supported by the Mises Caucus that does stuff similar, that has calls to action. So we're going to get some of those people to come together. But what we really want is for patron saints to bring to us their what they're aware of locally, what they're involved in. If you're just a patron, not a patron saint, that's okay. Message me with your with what you know. Or if you're not even a patron, that's okay too. You can email me, bring me aware of of constitution based or whatever like um you know legal activism and you can email me at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com and with that all right you guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at the prop report.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the propaganda report podcast feed if you want access to that extra content monica was telling you about go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report where you can find what joe biden says before joe biden even knows he's going to say it or go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and join up there and you can come to these parties that we're telling you about and other interactive events that we have we will talk to y'all on the patron 15 or tomorrow and next week have a fantastic rest of your day